Good morning. Thanks very much for being with us as we launch an exciting campaign to tell the rest of Canada about why Alberta is calling. Starting this week in Vancouver and Toronto, we'll be telling young professionals and trades workers about the kind of life that awaits them here in Alberta and highlighting the many cost of living, career and lifestyle advantages that Alberta offers. After some tough years, Alberta is experiencing a period of amazing economic growth and diversification. Thanks in part to our government's uh, laser beam focus on economic growth and diversification, we have seen unprecedented growth in tech and innovation, in film and television, in energy, including clean tech, uh, and in finance and financial technology, in aviation and transportation, in manufacturing and services, and right across our natural resource sectors, including agriculture, forestry, and of course, our largest industry, oil and gas. Now, we have invested in this growth with major expansions of skills, skilled trades programs and post-secondary spaces, and we have achieved our goal of making Alberta once again a magnet for job-creating investment for several years. There were policies driving investment and people out of our province, but we took the exact opposite approach with the job creation tax cut that has given Alberta the, by far the lowest taxes on employers in Canada, uh, lower than all 60 of the states and provinces in North America except four U.S. states. We've taken action through our red tape reduction strategy uh, that has eliminated a third of Alberta's regulatory burden, over 200,000 job-killing rules. We've taken action through our uh, incentives for diversification in areas like petrochemicals and film and television, uh, training workers for the jobs of the future, and so much more. We've taken action to promote investment with the creation of Invest Alberta, uh, the new corporation that for the last two years has been promoting uh, investment in this province, and we've been leading on that. I've been spending an enormous amount of my time as Premier on that. So Alberta is back in a big way. But one of the biggest challenges to sustaining that amazing growth is having enough people to fill all the jobs that are being created. As far as problems go, that's a pretty good one to have. Alberta's had the highest employment growth in Canada in 2022, with 68,000 more people working. And that compares to 47,000 in Ontario and 45,000 in BC, both provinces with larger populations. According to the Business Council of Alberta, 78% of Alberta companies now say that, the, uh, that a labor shortage is hurting their ability to meet the, the demands of growth. So our message to the rest of Canada is this. Alberta wants you. Alberta needs you. Alberta is calling and there are many reasons why you should answer the call. The facts, well, they speak for themselves. Alberta has the lowest taxes and the highest wages in Canada, and Albertans enjoy the highest after-tax incomes in that country. The average price of a family home is here is three times lower in Calgary than it is in Vancouver, for example, and it's four times lower in Edmonton than Vancouver. And the same is broadly true of uh, housing here versus the greater Toronto area. People are paying $1.2 million for detached homes in Toronto and Vancouver versus about uh, 450000 in Edmonton, uh, in Calgary, and 380000 in Edmonton. 
Calgary and Edmonton uh, spend about, uh, folks in those cities spend about 26 minutes getting to work on average. That compares to nearly 40 minutes in Toronto and over 50 minutes in Vancouver. Edmonton now has the fastest growing tech sector in North America, and Calgary was recently judged by The Economist magazine to have the highest quality of life in, of any major city in North America and the third highest in the world. As you can see from the posters we have here, uh, from the, the concept for Alberta is Calling is quite simple. And we hope that uh, the power of these facts will get more Canadians thinking about Alberta as a place to live. The campaign will be launched in two phases. The first that starts today will be in transit stations and buses and trains in Vancouver and Toronto areas and targeted to young professionals across the full range of digital and social media platforms. All ads will point to a new website, albertaiscalling.ca. That's albertaiscalling.ca. The second phase will launch in mid-September and feature some bolder and more high-impact tactics. I plan to make a trip to Toronto to launch phase two, so please stay tuned for that. And uh, let me just close by saying that uh, why Alberta is calling. Alberta is calling to say that your dream lives here. You can afford a house and be home in time for work to spend time with your family. Alberta's calling to say that there is a better life out here. You can enjoy big city nightlife and culture or world-class natural wonders all in the same day. Alberta's calling to say you're welcome here. Everyone in every occupation from every walk of life and every background is welcome. We offer opportunity for all. Now, as a message for Albertans, uh, you know, this is a province that's been built by newcomers, recognizing always the uh, critical role of our Indigenous people in our history and our future. Uh, but uh, it's generations and generations of newcomers from every corner of Canada and all around the world who have made Alberta one of the most prosperous and generous societies in the world. But it's also that population growth. It's Canadians moving from uh, poverty in their home regions to prosperity in Alberta to, to, pros to opportunity in this province that have really driven our modern economic history and our diversification. You know, even though oil and gas has grown massively uh, over the last 30 years, it has shrunk as a percentage of Alberta's economy as we've diversified by growing faster in other parts of our economy. What's primarily responsible for that diversification of Alberta's economy, which is picking up momentum right now? Guess what it is? Population growth. People choosing Alberta as their new home, as we've doubled our population roughly over the past 30 years. So uh, our part of our strategy for diversification is continuing to welcome the talents of newcomers from across Canada and around the world. And in the weeks to come, we'll be launching a similar campaign uh, to encourage new immigrants from all around the world, uh, many hundreds of thousands of whom were selected to immigrate to Canada, but were unable to travel because of COVID restrictions, and are, they're now planning their Canadian lives. We want them as well to know that if they want to start uh, a, a new job, a new business, buy a home, and raise their family in this great land of opportunity, that Alberta is the place to do it. So we'll be taking this message uh, to a global audience in the weeks to come. And with that, I'm happy to take your questions.
Thank you, Premier. That concludes our speaking portion. We have a media mic directly in front of me here. If you have any questions, please line up and limit yourself to one question and one follow-up, and please identify your name and outlet. Go ahead. Hi, Bill Graveland from the Canadian Press. Hi, Bill. Haven't seen you for a while. No, it's been a while. Uh, Why target uh, Toronto and Vancouver? Is it because they've had sort of similar campaigns aimed at Alberta in the past? Well, uh, primarily because they're large population centres where the cost of living is now just ridiculous. And the the value proposition of moving to Alberta in terms of people's... uh, life savings and their cost of living, their disposable income is so huge, especially compared. Look, we obviously, Bill, welcome newcomers from all around the, uh, the country. And this website, much of this campaign will be, it's outward facing. It'll be visible to people from St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, to Tofino, BC. Uh, and uh, in fact, we are seeing significant net interprovincial migration. In the first three months of this year, we saw about 5,400 more Canadians moved to Alberta than Albertans who left to the rest of Canada. So on an annualized basis, if that trend continues, we should be seeing uh, a net interprovincial migration to Alberta in around the 20,000 number this year, which would be back to where we were in the, during the last boom, sort of 2010 to 2014. That's very encouraging. So we'll welcome all of those folks. But the the cost of living situation in the GTA and the GVR has just gotten out of control, driven by real estate in, in part. It's not just that, it's taxes and a whole lot of other things. So we think that for people who cannot afford a home and young workers who can barely afford rent, that the comparison to Alberta is very uh, powerful. Um, and, uh, you know, we've done some... Uh, some rough calculations, for example, through Alberta uh, Invest Alberta and Alberta Treasury Board and Finance, that uh, says if you take a hundred and twenty-five thousand dollar year worker in Toronto who might be, let's say, working at a bank or financial institution downtown, living in one of the suburbs, and you move them to Calgary for illustrative purposes, uh, that over ten years they are able to save $400,000 more in Calgary than if they lived in Toronto. It's a $400,000 decade-long differential between real estate housing costs, tax differences, and generally the cost of living. So uh, that is a life-changing difference, and we're going to go to where the most people are. You hunt where the ducks are. Most people are in those big cities, and that's also where they're facing the biggest cost-of-living crisis. And as follow-up to that, uh, why did you feel the need to give a message to Albertans? Are you concerned there might be some resentment? Well, sometimes I've heard in the past, you know, why are you promoting uh, keep people coming here and, and taking jobs from us? I don't see it that way. Um, I think a rising tide lifts all boats. And that, uh, you know, and I believe the vast majority of Albertans are welcoming. They get it. Because so many of us come from somewhere else. Um, the vast majority of Albertans are at most uh, second generation Albertans. And so we all have roots uh, apart from our indigenous people somewhere else. And so I think we're welcoming, but sometimes I do hear that complaint. uh, Well, why are you, you know, I I can't find a job. Why are you giving our job away? Well, I'll tell you, there are a lot of jobs available in Alberta right now. We have the lowest unemployment rate since 2014, um, we, uh, we have an unemployment rate uh, at below 5%. Um, and the number one concern coming from our businesses now is labor and skill shortages. We need to skate to where the puck is going. 
and the puck is going to labor and skill shortages as the main constraint on future economic growth in Alberta uh, for the foreseeable future. Go ahead. Evelyn Asselin, Radio-Canada. Two questions in French, if possible. Two questions in français. Premièrement, j'aimerais savoir pourquoi cette campagne-ci ferait une différence et qu'est-ce que vous avez dire, qu'est-ce que vous avez à dire aux gens euh, qui se sentent peut-être pas les bienvenus en Alberta? Parce que Alberta, c'est une terre d'opportunités avec un coût de vie euh, raisonnable. Euh, les gens puissent déménager ici de... Euh, de Toronto ou Vancouver et épargner centaines de mille dollars, dollars dans le coût de vie, le coût d'hébergement, les taxes, les impôts, etc. Et avec l'économie la, la plus dynamique au Canada, avec les revenus le plus haut au Canada, ici en Alberta, alors maintenant, nous vivons une pénurie de main-d'oeuvre. Et je crois que ça serait le, euh, les défis principaux pour la croissance économique de l'Alberta pour l'avenir. Euh, alors, il faut être euh, agressif à cet égard. Il faut transmettre le message de l'avantage ici en Alberta. Le message euh, se passe pas seulement en Ontario et au Colombie-Britannique. Nous accueillons évidemment euh, les Québécois et les Canadiens de, de toutes les régions comme nous avons fait dans toute notre histoire. Mais euh, les entreprises en Alberta, ils disent que le plus grand défi maintenant, c'est le pénurie de main-d'oeuvre. Et alors, nous, nous espérons que cette campagne va accélérer euh, la migration vers Alberta des Canadiens d'autres régions. Et euh, ma deuxième question, j'aimerais revenir sur euh, une discussion que vous avez eue sur votre émission de radio euh, cette fin de semaine, samedi. Euh, pourquoi avoir décidé de commenter sur euh, la loi euh, de la souveraineté, un projet euh, de certains candidats à la course à la direction du parti? Euh, écoutez, ça a été un propos qui a été fait en septembre dernier, euh, 2021, et j'ai j'étais euh, interrogé à cet égard à plusieurs reprises euh, dans les forums publics. J'ai déclaré ma position euh, bien avant une course à la chefferie du Parti conservateur uni. Alors, euh, ma position n'a pas changé. Évidemment, je ne m'ingère pas dans la campagne euh, à la chefferie. Euh, ça serait... Euh, euh, ce n'est pas mon rôle de faire ça. Mais c'est tout à fait mon rôle à, à défendre les intérêts de l'Alberta et la primauté de loi. Parce que euh, j'ai pris une, euh, une, une déclaration quand je suis devenu premier ministre de protéger les lois. Et le propos de cette loi de, sur la souveraineté de l'Alberta est une attaque claire contre euh, la primauté de droit, contre euh, la Constitution, contre les intérêts économiques essentiels de l'Alberta. Et alors, euh, je redis, j'ai dit à nouveau euh, ce week-end ce que j'ai dit à cet égard depuis plusieurs mois. If it's possible to repeat in English, that would be okay, great. Okay, the, the question was, do you want to state the question in English, just for the record? Um, just coming back on your comments this weekend on your radio show, why did you feel a need to comment on the sovereignty um, act that was okay. proposed by some members of the party? 
Thanks. Well, first of all, uh, this is an idea that was first proposed in September of last year. Uh, it's been a matter of public debate uh, long before this uh, leadership campaign started. So I'm not getting involved in the leadership campaign, but I did declare publicly uh, my views about the so-called Sovereignty Act uh, many times uh, in the months preceding this leadership campaign. So I'm just restating my public position. The fact that there's a leadership campaign doesn't mean my public position on taxes or um, reform of the Federation or pipelines or anything has changed, and I'll continue uh, to speak my mind on, on those public policy issues and without getting involved in uh, the various candidates' campaigns for the UCP leadership. Uh, and what I said, when I think was first asked in a, in a public town hall about the so-called Sovereignty Act in uh, December or January last, um, I said that uh, this would be a disaster for Alberta. It would, uh, you know, this uh, government was elected on a commitment uh, to create jobs, grow the economy, and get pipelines built. This so-called Sovereignty Act would be a body blow to all three of those things. Uh, it would drive massively drive away investment. It would uh, cause people to leave the province, businesses not to come here, uh, just when our economy is experiencing such fantastic economic momentum. And I'll tell you something. I know this because I spend a huge amount of my time working with prospective investors uh, to bring their businesses and expand their businesses in Alberta. And uh, none of them are interested in working in a jurisdiction that rejects the rule of law, that rejects the authority of the judiciary, uh, that um, believes it can tear up the Constitution. And none of them are interested in separation from Canada, which is essentially what this is, uh, this is proposing. So uh, as somebody who has been obsessed with job creation and economic growth, promoting investment in this province, I can tell you firsthand that uh, a government or a legislature that would pursue this de facto plan for separatism uh, would end the huge economic momentum in this province in its tracks. But more than that, this government committed uh, to get pipelines built. If the sovereignty, if the principle of the so-called Sovereignty Act were to be accepted by other Canadian governments, uh, farewell pipelines, because it is federal law that regulates interprovincial pipelines. It is a federal law that has overcome strenuous objections by the British Columbia provincial government to build the Trans Mountain expansion. The British Columbia government, though, uh, ultimately respected the rule of law and the authority of our judiciary when the Supreme Court of Canada ruled unanimously that uh, the Trans Mountain expansion could go ahead. And they struck down British Columbia's uh, effort to impede that pipeline. How and why? They, because it, it was the BC government respecting federal authority under the Constitution and the authority of our judiciary. If other provinces were to, to uh, take the, the, the Sovereignty Act idea and apply it, well, guess what? BC could say, uh, we, we're disregarding the decision of the Supreme Court of Canada. We are going to declare that unlawful. We are going to declare the Constitution of Canada unlawful in the uh, 
assignment of interprovincial infrastructure and pipelines to, uh, to federal constitutional authority, and we are going to legally impede it. We're going to enforce our law, and we're not going to issue permits. We're going to instruct our public officials uh, to impede this legally sanctioned pipeline under the Constitution with the authority of the Supreme Court of Canada. That's exactly what this is, beg- is proposing for Alberta, so why wouldn't other provinces use it? Now, you know, this is so nutty that... Uh, the, the the response to, to by some of the sovereignty act proponents to that concern is oh don't worry um, there's some UN United Nations charter that guarantees landlocked jurisdictions access to coastal markets <clears throat> and the, we would invite the UN to come in and enfor- enforce uh, the construction of a coastal pipeline so the same people who are promoting febrile conspiracy theories about the United Nations and the World Economic Forum, would invite UN peacekeepers wearing blue helmets to come in and, uh, and, and to enforce the construction of a pipeline to the BC coast? This is just nuts. And, and so I, I said that word for word in January, February, and March, when this idea was uh, first circulating, and I'm restating my position now uh, because um, it is uh, my job as Premier of Alberta is to defend the vital interests of this province. Uh, driving away investment, hammering our economy, and forever potentially killing the, the, the prospect of uh, coastal pipelines would massively damage Alberta. And I think Albertans need to be aware of that. Thank you. We'll take one more from the floor, and then we'll go to the phones and come back to the floor for any Jordan Canigan with CTV News. Thanks, Premier, for, for taking my question. We just heard your, uh, your reaction to some of the proposals from the UCP leadership uh, candidates. Will you be endorsing anyone in the leadership race? And if not, what's your reasoning for that? No, I won't. And I won't be involved. And I'm the uh, leader of the party and the head of government, so it's not appropriate for me uh, to endorse candidates and to be clear, this was proposed in September of last year, uh, what, uh, eight, nine months before there was a leadership election. I commented on this over the winter. My position has not changed. I'm simply restating what I've been saying about this idea uh, long before there was a, a UCP leadership campaign. And frankly, I don't know which all candidates have, I'm, I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not following this uh, uh, in great detail every day. Um, so I'm not sure of the seven I believe, uh, candidates, which all have endorsed this concept. But my position is the same as it was when I was first asked publicly about this in the winter. Go ahead with your follow-up. On a different topic, if I may, there is a proposal for a passenger train from Calgary to Banff. Would that proposal have provincial support uh, in the form of financial commitment? So we have worked closely with Lyricon Capital, the project proponents, because uh, it's a great concept in principle. We don't, I think everybody would love, in principle, if we could just snap our fingers and get a, a, a passenger rail service from here to Banff. And there's lots of great ideas around it about helping to turn Banff more into a pedestrian um, tourism experience, like some of the European mountain resorts, reducing carbon emissions and, uh, from the many vehicles that have to carry tourists up there, uh, helping Banff address its labor shortage problem. You saw that some somebody was busted for having, like, I don't know, 40 people living in a house there. That's because there's a housing crisis for workers. So maybe this could help people from Calgary, Canmore, and the um, 
uh, the proximate First Nations to get up there uh, to help work. So there's lots of great uh, ideas behind it, but uh, so far we have not seen an economic case. Uh, well, let me put it this way. We are not prepared to write an unlimited check, for sure. We are always prepared to make strategic investments in capital infrastructure. But we don't think the government of Alberta's core business is to provide massive decade-long subsidies uh, to operations of what is ultimately a private business. So um, we are in ongoing discussions with the project proponent. Uh, we have given them some parameters about what we are, are prepared and are not prepared to do. Uh, and uh, those discussions are ongoing. No, so we're not, I, I, my point is, I, I like the concept, the government likes the concept in principle, but um, we also have to protect the Alberta taxpayer. Thank you for that. We'll go to the phones. Operator, can you please put through our first caller? The first caller is from Chris Barkle, Calgary Herald. Please go ahead. Hi, Premier. Just to follow up on your comments about the impact of an Alberta Sovereignty Act, can you talk about what impact, or can you tell me what you think the impact would be of a Sovereignty Act on talent attraction uh, going into other parts of the country? Yeah. Well, that wouldn't be helpful either. I mean, here we are launching a campaign for, for Canadians to move to another part of Canada. And if uh, Alberta were to decide effectively to launch a separatist project, uh, I think that would automatically exclude a lot of Canadians. To the contrary, instead of being able to attract people, we would start hemorrhaging people. Uh, we know, this is, not a, this is not theoretical, we know because of what happened in Quebec after René Lévesque and the Parti Québécois was elected in 1976 on a separatist platform, Quebec overnight began to hemorrhage people, money, and investment. Uh, hundreds of thousands of Quebecers moved west, primarily to uh, Ontario, but some of them are made, have made great Albertans. They, were, uh, they regarded themselves as, as kind of political refugees of the separatist party Quebecois. And as they left, guess what happened? The uh, housing market crashed. Housing prices in the greater Montreal area crashed by about 25% in the year following the election of René Lévesque because uh, nobody was coming to Montreal from the rest of Canada, but people were fleeing political uncertainty. They wanted to be Canadians. They didn't want to wake up one morning finding that they were living in a foreign country. They ch and, and not only that, but as you know, many major corporations re relocated, and we benefited from some of that. I mean, uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that Canadian Pacific uh, relocated from Montreal around the time of the second Quebec secession referendum uh, and, uh, and many other uh, major corporations. Basically, like even the Bank of Montreal, they still have a post box in Montreal, but their, head, their uh, real headquarters moved to Toronto, et cetera. So that would be the picture here if we decide to go down the road of separatism. I want to quote from an article uh, written by Howard Anglin, former president of the Canadian Constitution Foundation, former deputy chief of staff to Prime Minister Harper, now doing his PhD uh, at Oxford in, uh, in law, constitutional law. He says that, quotes, he calls this the Alberta Suicide Act. He says the act would be an economic disaster. What business would trust a government that doesn't recognize constitutionally appointed judges and is committed to making up the law as it goes along. There is a reason that rogue states aren't exactly magnets for foreign investment. 
companies would relocate their headquarters out of Alberta faster than they moved from Montreal to Toronto in the 1970s when Quebec separatism was ascendant. The Act's answer to this anticipated chaos is to create a new Alberta-based banking industry, but that would just leave all Albertans on the hook financially for the government's risks. Go ahead with your follow-up, Chris. On a separate topic, I just wanted to ask about carbon capture, utilization, and storage. We saw uh, last week the U.S. Inflation Reduction Act actually increased the U.S. tax credits for CCS from $50 to $85 per tonne. I'm wondering, um, what is the state of discussions right now with the Alberta government and the Pathways Alliance? Uh, Are you concerned at all about, uh, I guess, the competitiveness of the Canadian proposal versus uh, what we're now seeing in the U.S.? Is your government prepared, I guess, to provide further incentives to maybe bridge that gap? Well, we are in an ongoing discussion with the Pathways Group, as we have been from day one. We've been um, we've met with them dozens of times uh, through my at, from my level, senior officials, etc. And uh, there's constant engagement with Minister Savage and, and uh, Minister of the Environment, Minister Isaac. Um, the, we anticipated the increase in the 45Q U.S. investment tax credit for carbon capture and storage. Uh, and that's one of the reasons we helped lead the campaign uh, for the federal government to come in with a, uh, a, their own uh, investment tax credit. Um, we said that it, it should be of equal generosity to what the Americans have, fully expecting, based on my conversations with uh, Chairman Manchin in Washington and others, that there would be an enhancement uh, eventually adopted by Congress. So um, I, uh, in terms of the Alberta government, first of all, we were early adopters of CCUS, although um, the Stelmec government was widely criticized. I think they were right uh, to, uh, to put money from initially the tier, excuse me, the um, ESKER fund uh, for emissions reduction uh, into CCUS starting 12 years ago with the Shell Quest project. Uh, we have supported things like the Alberta Carbon Trunk Line, and um, we continue to fund uh, green tech initiatives, including CCUS, through the through Emissions Reduction Alberta, supported by the levies generated by the um, uh, Technology Innovation and Emissions Reduction Plan. Now, having said all of that, uh, we we are uh, very prepared to make a significant additional contribution through a. Uh, royalty uh, a credit, an offset, for eligible capital expenses associated with CCUS. Um, and we think that this is a multi-billion dollar potential um, in, additional incentive. <clears throat> Where we're at right now, Chris, is, is having technical conversations with uh, the Pathways members uh, to talk through the technical details of that. Because... Uh, their view is a little different from our officials' view about the eligibility uh, for royalty offsets from CCUS capital expenditures. I'm confident that we can come to a resolution on that uh, that will enhance the um, the financing of those projects. Thank you, Premier. Operator, can you please put through our next caller? Next caller is Jason Herring, Calgary Herald. Please go ahead. Hi, Premier. I'm looking for an update following Doug Schweitzer's recent resignation from Cabinet and his plan to vacate his post as MLA. What can you tell us about filling that Jobs Cabinet post and a possible by-election in Calgary, Elbow? 
Well, my understanding is that uh, first, let me let me back up that up and say first of all, I want to thank uh, Doug for his uh, public service, and uh, he has done a, a very strong job both initially as Minister of Justice and Solicitor General, and in the past uh, two plus years as Minister for Jobs, Economy, and Innovation. And appreciate his his contributions. I uh, was sorry to receive his resignation as a minister last week, and I'll be uh, appointing a new minister in the very near future. Right now, the acting minister is the minister of finance, uh, and uh, my understanding is he, that he has not yet resigned from the legislature. Um, and uh, in terms of a by election, it's also my understanding that if a um, under the uh, Elections Act, which now has, as you know. Uh, a fixed election date, which is at the end of May next year, if an election, if a um, seat opens up within a year, uh, the government does not have to call a by-election. But uh, we'll reflect on that, and um, the uh, we'll see exactly when Minister, Mr. Schweitzer decides to leave the legislature. Uh, that may be very close uh, to the end of my tenure as Premier, so this may be an issue that uh, my successor addresses. Go ahead with your follow-up. Sure. Uh, if there is a by-election in Calgary Elbow, would you expect a new UCP leader, perhaps without a seat in the legislature, to run in that by-election? Uh, I don't know. That's um, that's political punditry and speculation, which is not my job. So um, I'll, I'll let. Why don't you call Dwayne Brad? I'm sure he'll give you an opinion on that. <laughs> we have time for one more on the phone, and then one last one on the floor. Operator, could you please go ahead? Last question is from Carrie Take, Golden Mail. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my question. Premier, over the weekend you had mentioned that the Commonwealth Women's Parliament put on the essay contest in Alberta. Last Tuesday they had said that it was not them, that it was the MLA who was the representative. We've tried for a week to get a very simple answer of how was this essay selected? Can you answer that? How did this happen? I don't have a clear answer on that myself. I don't know what the process was. To be honest with you, until the story emerged last week, I had never heard of the uh, Commonwealth Women's Parliamentary Association or this essay contest. Um, I do know that that uh, uh, Minister uh, Armstrong Hominyok has committed to uh, reviewing the whole process, see what went wrong, and also ensuring it doesn't happen in the future. Go ahead, Kay. I'm wondering, I'm a little confused why it's taking a week to find out how an essay was selected. That doesn't seem like it should be that complicated. If and when you do get answers from this MLA, um, do you think that some consequences are warranted and what might those be? Well, I, I know that, uh, I believe that uh, Ms. Armstrong Hemanyuk was the former chair or a member of the Commonwealth Women's Parliamentary Association and issued a statement uh, expressing regret and apologizing and committing to ensure that this kind of thing doesn't happen in the future. Um, what I've heard is that there was not a proper formal process, and beyond that, I don't know exactly what happened. Last question on the floor. Go ahead. Uh, thanks for taking my question, Premier. It's Aaron Collins with CBC National News. I just want to turn back to the Sovereignty Act uh, just briefly. Um, I recognize that you're just restating your position that's been out there. I recognize you're not closely following uh, the race, but the timing of your statements does matter. The race is happening, and and some of the uh, the folks that want to be the next premier of the province have supported this idea. So I guess can we interpret your comments, your 
uh, negative comments towards this idea as a warning to UCP members who might be considering supporting somebody who supports this idea? No. Uh, I will continue to restate my longstanding position on a whole range of issues on which leadership candidates may be taking positions. By the way, um, the fact that there's a leadership campaign doesn't mean that uh, I've suddenly become an Alberta separatist. Uh, it doesn't mean, uh, you know, the fact that people are debating a health care policy doesn't mean that I'm not any longer responsible for uh, the health care system. Um, the fact they're debating ideas about economic growth doesn't mean I'm going to stop promoting Alberta's economic growth. So uh, issues that existed before the leadership campaign, I think I uh, have a right and responsibility uh, to offer informed commentary on those and to address those issues, uh, particularly if they... Uh, could it affect the province's vital economic interests, which I believe is, is the case here. Uh, as uh, I've said before, the, the, one of the country's leading conservative constitutional experts uh, has characterized this as the Alberta Suicide Act. Um, I said, uh, you know, I've been highly critical of this uh, concept uh, since I was first asked about it in January and February. Um, that same person, Howard England, says that uh, the ideas included in the Sovereignty Act are, quotes, to use a technical term from constitutional law, nuttier than a squirrel turd. No, I, I get it. You, you think it's a bad idea. You think it's nuts, and you, and you think it would be detrimental to the province and the economy. But I guess what I don't understand is why, if you feel that way, you wouldn't be counseling members of your own party to, to not support that idea. That's up for members. Uh, members will... Uh, take a look at the candidates and, and the issues and make their own judgment. I'm not going to tell them how to vote, uh, but nor am I going to um, change my position uh, uh, that, that I've been expressing and articulating on this for the past nine months. Thank you, everyone. That concludes our Q&A. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one.